You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience here at Conservative Review, your headquarters for the ultimate truth telling. And I know those of you on this Tuesday who are addicted, you have your fix for the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You really had a tough time yesterday going without a show. I apologize for that. Look, sometimes I got to take off some mental health days. Um, but look, I take off one day and the world g- goes to hell. Uh, we got this big deal with Mexico, or is it a deal? A lot of you are asking me about that. Um, this is going to be another big week here, starting a little bit late in the week on immigration. I'm sorry, there's other stuff to talk about, but th- there's nothing that's worthwhile to talk about when we have an invasion that, in many ways, is more severe in its subtlety than a traditional invasion. And still, it's like nobody's saying anything. I, I just had a great conversation with a mayor of a small Texas town. I'm going to have an article out on this about 40 miles away from the border in the Del Rio sector. And he was like, you know, he has all Republican officials, Republican congressmen, two Republican senators, Republican governor, Republican attorney general. Like, I can't get anything from them. No one cares. No one cares. The crazy stuff, the crime, the diseases. Massive invasion of Africans. So we're going to cover that all this week. Lots of good guests, interviews, um, both in print and on the show. Um, I got a lot of stuff coming in from my sources. My head is spinning. I literally haven't breathed since 6 in the morning, just trying to make up for (laughs) basically pay for my day off yesterday. Um, So we are going to be back in a double force today. We're going to have Colonel Dan Steiner on um, he was a guest before. He's going to give us a briefing. I just want to first set the table. So, deal or no deal? All right, Trump says that he's got a deal with Mexico to stop everything. And don't worry, we're in good shape. Again, first off, before we go into anything, just the notion that we need to beg Mexico to do the job American politicians won't do. The notion that we cannot, we are a third world country and only Mexico could secure our border for us and we can't, that in itself is offensive. I, I have an article out today, we'll link to in show notes, quotes from Justice Scalia in oral arguments and in the opinion in US v. Arizona in 2012, when he made it clear that when the border was a fraction of how crazy it is today, 2012 was relatively good, he said Arizona would be justified in defending its sovereignty. Today, Texas would be, and Arizona for that matter. The notion that the federal government couldn't do this, just shut it off. But no, Headed into this weekend, we knew two things. Number one, the president would never trigger the tariffs. He was not going to follow through with it. And number two, he wasn't going to do an 1182F shutoff. So it was going to be something in the middle where AMLO and the Mexican government could give him something to hang his hat on. So he could save face without having to do the tariffs and then say, don't worry, we solved it. Folks, doesn't this sound familiar? 
the last six months. Remember the budget deals. Oh, don't worry. We're going to give the Democrats what they want in the budget, but I have a special emergency announcement. Da da da. We're going to build 3.4 miles of gradual fencing when we're letting them in behind the fence anyway. And, you know, each thing we have to deconstruct, and it takes weeks for us to kind of finally prove that no, that, that that's a distraction. It's not the point. Um, there, there's two elements here. There's the the logistics of Mexico securing a border, and then there's the legalities. The logistics, we're going to talk more with, with Colonel Dan in a minute. Um, it, it, it's a joke. If we will allow them in, and we're not going to change our policies, not laws, policies, on allowing these people in, if you're relying on Mexico, dude, that's a joke. It just, I mean, they might have some enforcement actions because, again, they got to give him something for a couple days. That's not going to hold. So they're, and Trump knows this. So that the Trump had to go out on Twitter and say, no, 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 there's a parallel quiet agreement also on the legal side. You know, kind of a, th- he didn't use the language, but basically hinting at a third party asylum agreement where they would agree to take in our people, we'd, we'd send them back. So first of all, now you see that our government actually could turn them back. So why aren't we doing it even without an agreement? Because our sovereignty should come first, but that's a different story. Look, until I see the agreement, this is another example of, hey, I'll, I'll uh, pay you tomorrow for a burger today. Mexican government's denying it. Um, I just, I mean, I just don't buy it. If, if they really would sign on that, it, it would have, you know, some, it would definitely have an effect. Um, uh, they, they claim that they would agree to return back, I believe, a 1,000 a day. Right now, Border Patrol is getting four to 5,000 a day, so at least that's a dent in it. Now they're returning about 200 a day. But I want you guys to ask yourselves another question. If it's indeed true that all of those requesting asylum will be sent back, and we're told it's the asylum re- requests are the big problem because legally we have to deal with it, Again, we've been deconstructing that BS for months, but let's just indulge that for a moment. That means, by definition, all of the other people who are not requesting asylum, why aren't they immediately repatriated? We have expedited removal. Why is everyone saying we need a new law? You cannot get a stronger law than the law that says that Border Patrol could do expedited removal, and it's unreviewable. Their determination is unreviewable by an immigration judge, much much less an Article Three judge. That's IRA IRA of 1996, passed the Senate unanimously. You will never, ever, ever get a law that is stronger than that. So by that, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, Daniel, if we're going to return the asylees, maybe they won't ask for asylum anymore. But if they don't ask for asylum, which they're not, by the way, most of them aren't anyway, the whole thing's a lie, why aren't they being removed? And if it's somehow a logistical thing that they don't have the resources then the law, I mean, no law change is going to help that. And again, we continue to ignore the invasion component of this, how the cartels are strategically using this as invasion. I've said a number of times, even if the law says what the left thinks it says, even if the Constitution would say, thou shall allow in 7.8 billion people into your country. But the moment you have criminal cartels using them strategically to invade us with really bad stuff and surveil us and everything, that's no longer an immigration issue. That's a warfare issue. So even even if the law did say that, 
It's it's not a suicide pact, and at some point, be governed by the laws of war. So, you know, again, this is just really frustrating. Whenever Trump gets into a pickle with his base, he always gives us a a, a thing, to, but 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 it's down the road, so it quells any pressure, and then our people stand down. The Fox News hosts stand down, but no, now is the time to get in his face. No. If you could turn them back with an agreement from Mexico, you could turn them back without an agreement from Mexico. You can invoke 1182F. Why aren't you invoking it? Why aren't you designated the cartels as terrorists? That These questions need to be asked. Some of my colleagues don't give a damn about outcomes. All they care about are talking points. You see, the Mexican government is helping more than the Democrats are. I, yeah, that's a cute talking point, but that, that ain't getting us anything. Okay, like, like grow up. I, I want results. We are a year into this invasion. Stop with the promises of tomorrow, the next time. Oh, there's going to be. If, if this doesn't happen, every single time, it just gets really frustrating. Anyway, before I just blow a fuse, I'm going to bring on our guest, uh, Colonel Dan Steiner. We had him on to give us, well, we actually had him on twice. We had him on to discuss Mexico before. We've had him on a couple weeks ago to this, give us a briefing on Iran, the world. This is a guy who is a colonel in the Air Force, did a lot of work for uh, um, what's known as the infantry for the Air Force to secure bases. He was in CENTCOM. He was in Kosovo. He was in Latin America. So he's a really a good picture of the geopolitics of the world and particularly the Mexican government. Wanted to get his take on, on at least the Mexico side of what we're seeing with this deal, the logistical side, how it ties in with the cartels. Um, Dan also does have his own podcast now. You want to hear it? We're going to link to his podcast in our show notes. So you want to add that to your list? You know, don't listen to the bozos on on Fox News. Listen to a real expert. And certainly, even though he does have his own show, I'm still honored that he's willing to come on ours. Hey, Colonel, how you doing? Hey, Dan, how are you? How dare you take a day off? <laughs> I know. What is this? Every time I do that, it's like, you know, J- Jason was blowing up my phone. Where are you? Are you dead or something? Like, what's going on here? Um <laughs> You know, it is. It is just. It's. It's. It's pretty wild here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just have in the background. There's a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on. It's like it's these people just don't get it. It's like we're adjudicating and investigating an invasion. None of them are using the right terms to describe this. I just shut it off. You know, I, I can't. I can't handle it. They have Macalina and the DHS secretary, who's a big liberal there. Um, anyway, unprecedented that. You do have Mexican National Guard military patrolling the Rio Grande River on boats. Trump had to secure something definitive, at least in the short term. Give us your best sense of what's happening in the short term and where you think this is headed You know, with the Mexican agreement. Well, I'll, I'll give you the ugly news up front. The, the, the ugly news is I don't care what the Mexican government promises uh, anybody inside D.C., the administration, or anybody else, what they promise their own people. They can't do what they just promised they're going to do. They, they physically can't do it. If they could do it, they would have done it in the past. You, you take 6,000 troops who, when you look at their pictures of them, and, and this one of the things I, I 
agreed with you, we need to talk about is who are these National Guard troops that suddenly appeared on the radar out of nowhere. But when you take troops and you just look at the pictures of them, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. They're not combat troops. They're not going to dress them like combat troops. They're not going to have the IT backing along a, a border that is unbelievable to their south. They're not going to slow down anything, but they will prevent uh, people from saying they're doing nothing because there'll they'll be media events. You know, there'll be stage pictures yeah. like the Mexicans love to do with the five SWAT guys and the cartel guy with a table full of stuff in front of them. <laughs> I, I get that. But Dan, uh, up front, before we get going, they can't do it. They, they just wrote a check that they can't cash, and we're trying to stick that check in the bank and move on. So in other words, you're saying that there's hundreds of thousands coming up, not just from Central American, increase it. We were the first to report on this, almost everything we were this year, and now it's become more mainstream. you got you know, thousands of Africans now in um Mexico, I mean, all over the place. We're not even getting into the disease stuff today. I'll have more on that tomorrow. Um, but, you know, yeah, out of hundreds of thousands, they'll be able to do a photo op on a couple of migrants here and there and show enforcement actions. But bottom line is you're saying, A, even without the cartels, they don't have the resources and training to do that. We're saying we don't. So how do they have it? And then B, obviously, last time I checked, they don't control their territory. Well, exactly right. I, I it, even if they were sincere, they can't physically do it. If you were really, no kidding, going to try and do it, you would actually take Sedina and Samar to their southern border in force. This would be their, we have to secure our nation. Like, it seems like we don't want to do here, they don't want to do there. But if they had to try and do it, they'd have to do the same thing that we would have to do. And that is physically take your military and close your border. 6,000 guys sounds like a lot. It, it does. It sounds like a lot. You spread them out in the terrain that they're talking about down there, and, yeah, it, it, you're going to catch some, and you're going to take some pictures, but at the end of the day, you're not stopping much. you got to go to the port of entries. you got to check every shipping container that comes in from every nation in the world. You're not going to do that. You're not going to slow down commerce. You're not going to make the economy crash because you're trying to make sure that every container that comes in your country doesn't have 60 people in it from some place where if they cough on you, you're dead two days later. That's not going to happen. So you do something to make everybody happy. You do something to give, you know, Team Trump a victory. You do something that makes everybody. But Dan, here's a funny part. And I, and I think I sent you this the other night. Within a day of, uh, the Mexican president, AMLO, making this wonderful announcement that, that, that everybody started cheering for here in the United States. Within a day of doing that, he went from being the guy that has, he had a morning show. I, I mean, he gets on TV like he has his own TV show, and he talks every day. And he, all the great things are going to happen in Mexico, and Mexico's going to be this land of Teletubbies, and it's all going to be wonderful, and it's going to be that way real soon. Well, right after he made this announcement about this deal, he started to get questioned. And, and he had some real loyal followers. Even in the press corps, they're like, can we see the details? How are we doing this? Uh, then you had some people questioning him who were loyal backers. They're like, wait, wait a minute. You're selling these people out, which is, Dan, here's what it is. That, that's code 
that's encrypted code for, look, if we keep all these people here, we're going to have problems. If you shut the door to the north and you shut the, and you can't shut the door to the south, then all that social pressure builds in Mexico. So they're, not only can they not do this, they don't want to do it. He's already under pressure from his own people, and, he, and he's the savior. He's the guy that came to power in Mexico to make it all go away. Well, when that starts to not happen, he doesn't have a choice, Dan. He has to renege on what he said, or he never really does in the first place. So I'm with you. I I think this whole thing is smoke and mirrors. Uh, I do want to talk to you about this National Guard force. Uh, There's a tactical thing that happened that Jason put on to this whole issue with drones. I I think that's... Yeah, I want to get to to that a little later. Um, Absolutely. I I got it it in the notes here. Um, But... So, so, so you're 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 right here. I mean, this is just a total. Everyone gets a little bit of what they want, except for the American people. But I've been saying this the whole time. Just two months ago, Trump had another deal. He had. We keep making deals with Mexico. No one ever asked. Well, whatever happened to the first one? Um, every time the pressure. I mean, it's just the news out of the border. See, usually if we can break through a little bit on the border, just enough to get through Mueller. Where actually the news gets out, Trump feels like he has to act, which is important, which shows why we need to sustain it. But the problem is every time it's swatted down with this, oh, I took care of it, and then everyone stands down, and then it gets even worse than ever. So what I'm hearing is, first of all, I, I hear from my my border agent sources that, you know, again, it is still a little early, but nothing has changed. The numbers aren't going down because the smugglers, you know. They're not like the Republican base in America where they hear stuff from Trump and then they think that that's like actually happening. They know what's happening and they know they're getting through so they could keep getting through. Um, And it's obvious that they can't secure their southern border. Um, My buddy Todd Benzman at CIS has a great report on that. He's familiar with that border. He's, by the way, a mutual friend of Jason and mine. Um, That's that's how I originally (laughs) knew Jason. So we're going to link to Todd's piece in our show notes. Um, but for our listeners, if I forgot to mention it, you uh, coordinated all of the Texas military operations for, for a number of years together with Northcom at the border. So you're not just like a military guy that served in the Middle, Middle East. You actually dealt with the border. Um, let's move to our, our border, Mexico's northern border. What are you seeing them doing at our border with the boats on the river and why is that not amazing news? I mean, they're they're securing our border, right? Yeah, and I, I you know, I haven't seen a definitive answer yet, and I'm sure Northcom has it, but I haven't seen a definitive answer. What is the operational change that Mexico is going to implement on the northern part of their border? You know, there's a lot of talk about these six hundred or six thousand National Guard troops going to their southern border. But it, it, to me, it's a little it's a little more ambiguous as to what what is the change along the northern border, and whatever that changes takes a tremendous amount of coordination, and, and that's truly why Sedina has a coordination element at Northcom. But it, it seems like that part of the conversation isn't as flashy and as sexy to to somebody. You know, you got a river, and you divide that river down the middle. And you've got 
a lot of coordination points that have to take place. Now, now, now typically that coordination comes through Joint Task Force North out in El Paso, and, and they're the operational uh, execution command of those missions. So if there's a change, if somebody's getting that change ready, and, and that takes a little bit of time. I, I know he made this remarkable signature deal last week, but we can implement a change plan fairly quickly. I, I'm not so sure about Sabina. I, I, you know, they can go out there and half-ass do something, start just letting, again, photo ops, let troops be seen along the, the northern border somewhere, increase the numbers in some of their garrisons, get out there, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, what does that do to the cartels? Well, <laughs> Probably nothing, because those are the troops that are most highly infiltrated. Those are the troops that there's still a, a large number of people who are going to sit there and get a phone call or a text message and say, hey, what changes are you getting ready to do? Where are they going to take place? <laughs> and what are you doing? And, and they'll get answered. You know, that's Jason's forte telling you how that all works. But the reality is that's exactly what will happen. So whatever they do. It will be countered by the cartels because the cartels have the best intelligent gathering network in Mexico. So sad statement, but it's reality. So so that that's the thing. I mean, obviously, we're hearing from our sources. There are for the first time, there really are Mexican boats on the river, um, at least evincing the image of enforcement actions. And my first thought is like, wait a minute, the cartels control that area. So why aren't the cartels going to war with the Mexican military? Well, so doesn't that mean, like you're saying, that the cartels are like, hey, wink and nod, they need to kind of show their thing, but they don't really view it as a threat because they know they're a probably not down there for the long term. You know, it's it's uh it's gonna be a couple days of photo ops, and then B, you know, they might have to have some sacrificial lambs, maybe a couple of people that allow them to turn back, but they're not going to fundamentally shut it down. I mean, is that correct? No, no. If, if anybody believes that whatever this agreement came to is a dramatic change to our Northern border, our Southern, their Northern border between the two nations, then you're just living in some alternative universe. I mean, you're, you're politicking and not trying to solve the problem. Wow. That, that, that is, I mean, it, it's going to disappoint a lot of people today. But again, we give it here straight up. Um, we want to solve problems. Um, but a lot of my colleagues uh, actually like to politic uh, because they like talking points. You see, he, he, he secured the deal of the century. Um, I mean, again, there's no shortcut to us doing the work on our own. And if we feel we can't do it, it's insane to conclude they would do Because my, my first thought was this. I said, look, let's say the Mexican government was amazing. And let's say they were acting in good faith. Best case scenario. If if the Mexican military would suddenly go in there for real to go and challenge the cartel's drug smuggling, you would have a war over it, right? They're not going to allow that to happen. So similarly, with human smuggling, I mean, they're that's really rivaling drug smuggling as a moneymaker. So... They're not going to shut it down. They can't because the cartels would fight with them. And the fact that the cartels aren't fighting with them tells me it's 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 all foolish. We are the ones who would have to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got the secretary of security in Mexico 
And, and when he comments about this new National Guard force, you know, he says the end state needs to be somewhere around 360,000 members. Well, uh, okay, now, if he's trying to address replicating true law enforcement throughout the country, okay, I, I got it. That that kind of makes sense. But in reality, if you tactically want to secure both borders of your country, you're probably looking at close to the same number. That you know, they simply don't have the abilities like we have to uh, substitute boots on the ground with technology. And I, I can guarantee you the discussions about will Mexico give us permission to do airborne assets in Mexican airspace to see what's going on. That's always been a touchy subject and always will be because it's an issue of sovereignty on their part as well at the end of the day. So <laughs> I keep going back to this. What are we solving? Uh, we, we had a great, you know, I, I think of Chamberlain. And, you know, it's peace in our time, and it's all said and good, and everybody can go back to work. And I'm thinking, the cartels didn't throw a fit. Um, I bet you the Border Patrol guys that are on that line tonight on midnight, they haven't seen a hiccup in the last seven days. And, and I know some of the talking heads will back in D.C. will say, well, you know, this takes time, and, you know, it, it has to implement itself, and it's blah, 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 blah. I got it. But that doesn't mean a thing to those men and women are out there riding around on midnight, those Border Patrol vehicles that are simply being overrun. Again, I think the other crazy thing is, and I'm not a political follower kind of guy. I'm, I'm a strategy and a threat guy. But, and, and I guess my question is to you, if, if we have suddenly struck this great deal with Mexico about illegal immigration, doesn't that allow the, Trump's opponents to stand up and say, well, you don't need your wall. You, you, you've won. You've got Mexico to do the things you said they needed to do. So quit coming to us about this wall and money. I don't. I don't know how that doesn't turn into a trap. Well, I well, I I agree with you. I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to be a trap in that sense because the numbers won't go down, and it's going to be self evident that it's not going to work. So it won't be a problem on account of oh, you know, the perception that he solved the problem because I think it'll be you know pretty evident in short order it's not going to work. But I think you know what I'm telling you. This is like the fifth time we've seen something like this. Where it's, we demand a certain action, it's not done, but then he says, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I have this to be done. And everyone stands down and it just gets worse and worse. I mean, that's what concerns me politically. Um, I just want you to talk a little bit more about the logistics of what, what you, what that would look like at the northern border. Cause I am hearing that you, you obviously talked about, the military units at our border being corrupted, but I am hearing they are sending in the Marines, which usually they do that, you know, because they're worried others would be corrupted. But again, you, well, is, yeah. is your understanding that that's just going to be a week, two weeks or something like that? But it, it, you can watch and, and there will be those that do watch because there'll be promises made. Promises are made in DC and promises be made at Northcom and promises be made at embassy levels. There's all kinds of promises are made, but you can physically watch for things. If I'm going to bring, let's say I'm going to bring 10,000 Samar troops up to the northern border, and I'm going to run true water operations 
in extended areas for extended periods of time. Well, the, the logistical legs to do that are, are pretty evident. You know, when you got a garrison uh, sitting along the border, and there's a bunch of them, and they have a, a, a population of X, but then you're going to increase the mission, mission. So here comes five times that amount of people. Well, okay, you, 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 all those indicators that those people are coming start to show up. And typically in the past, when we saw Fox, when we saw Calderon, it, you know, you name the last three presidents uh, b- before AMLO, when these great promises were made, and they've been made in the past, of, okay, we're, we're really going to get after this, and here's what we're going to do. Well, you sit back and you watch and say, oh, wait a minute, there's nothing that indicates that any of this is sustained. This might be a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day in and out. But, we, you know, we're not seeing forward operating bases like we do in the, you know, in the Middle East. We're not seeing main operating bases standing up. If we don't see those kinds of things taking place, then we know this is all just smoke and mirrors. And by the way, they've gone to their southern border on several occasions. They've made the great announcement. They're going down there, and they're going to shut it down. And, you know, three months later, it was cameras are gone. Everything's back to normal. So what? My, my greatest fear is, not my greatest fear, but a fear I've got, Dan, is we've got a president sitting down there in Mexico that's willing to promise anything and then sit back and cross his fingers and hope that Trump's gone in 2020 and it all goes away. He, he continues his social reengineering of Mexico and he doesn't have to put up with a guy that's putting out Twitters every night about how he's going to do this and do that to Mexico. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of the world is looking at us right now saying, okay, they're in that crazy four-year cycle, and they're close enough to that cycle now to where all we really got to do is hang on for a little while, and let's see if things change. And that goes for Iran. You know, that goes for North Korea. It goes for China. You know, that's just the nature of the beast here. But the rest of the world knows our cycle, and I, I, I'm totally confident that AMLO lives in that same cycle. You know, one of the things I heard from a border agent is that, well, overall, they're not seeing much of a difference, but what they did see with the boats, and again, I I can't imagine this is going to be allowed to go on much longer because by definition, the cartels cannot allow themselves to lose the revenue. But one thing it did help is it did slow down some of the smuggling organizations because those guys don't want to get caught. They don't want their boats to be confiscated. So, you know, typically they would bring them right over. And we've seen this on videos many times when CBP will uh, release the cameras. So that much, those guys don't want to be seen. And it just got me thinking like, man, that's the biggest deterrent of all. We could send our own military there to go and put some bullets in their heads. I don't mean like all the migrants. I mean the, the armed smugglers or, or at least go after them, confiscate their stuff. They won't, they won't want that. I mean, that's going to make it make it a lot harder if they can't approach it. And again, I don't believe that Mexico's effort will be sustained, but I think, I thought that was an interesting observation. Yeah. And again, if, if Border patrol sees a change, if there are indications of the change, along the river or along the the fence line outside of Texas, then the issue becomes, 
what is the intensity of the change and what is the dura- what is the anticipated duration of the change? Because Jason will tell you, you ask him, he'll tell you when times get bad, they'll stack loads on the Mexican side and just wait you out. You know, if they got to decrease loads for a little while, then they will, if that's the business. It, you know, if they got to hold up while you do your flash in the pan stuff and then all your paid informants say, look, we're, we were told we're going in here for 90 days and then we're going back down to Michoacan or wherever they brought us up from. Our Samara comes over from the East Coast. That word gets out. The intelligence is gathered. And then they simply go into a reduced mode until that little charade is over with. Oh, you know, it's the same thing we faced in Afghanistan with the wintertime missions, but so they, they've got intelligence. They know what they need to do and what they do. You know, it's a $60 billion a year industry. They'll figure this out. If this is just a political ploy, they're, they're not going to allow this to really change what they're doing. So isn't what you're telling me politics can't solve what's really a military national security issue? I mean, we're asking the Mexican government to send their military, but we won't use our military. We'll use them as cooks and sitting ducks. But that's where I understand that you're right. They're always going going to be there. If I go up to you and always have my fist in your face and I have a sword up to your throat and you have a reason why maybe I'm not going to use it at that moment. But in the long run, it's a problem if you allow that to remain there and you got to go after it. I mean, that's what concerns me here. Like you're saying, they're just going to, they're always going to make it work until we create that buffer zone. Or at least if we don't actively make a buffer zone or certainly make a buffer zone, at least on our side, at least, you know, we draw a line in the sand at the river and we start going after their assets that at least directly threaten us, even if it's on our side. With that, I want you to talk about what you're hearing with these cartel drones. Yeah, Jason, Jason cued me into this the other day. Um, you know, he sent me the picture. To, we got on the phone. We talked about it. And I was I was fascinated by it. And, and I told him heads up front. Uh, it is most likely not the first time we have seen this. Drones have been around too much. So if you sat down with the right agencies at the right level and talked about this, you would probably hear, you know, you you get some veterans on the border say, oh, hell, that's old news. You know, you probably get some stories about moving dope by drones. You know, you, you'd get all of that. But drones as spotters along the border, even if that's not new news, the business of using drones to sit in Mexican airspace and look into U.S. territory in order to maneuver people against your border, the intent to do that is a hostile act. Yes. I mean, that's, that's an that's invasion. Not an that's not an act of, okay, give me a Google map. And I'm going to figure out where the back door on the bank is. So when we hit this place, we know how to get out of there. When you have a foreign national using intelligence level network, I don't care if it's off the shelf. Hell, it's probably better material because it's off the shelf. But when you use intelligence gathering equipment, which is what a drone is, that's where the industry first came from. And you use that for the purpose of exploiting an action you're going to take against another nation state. That's not just a criminal act. That's an act of aggression. And, and then, so how do we legally respond to that? 
And, and I can tell you there are ways to do that, but the, but the, the, the decisions that have to be made to deny those drones the capability to do what they're doing is rather dramatic because, in reality, they're probably flying in Mexican airspace, and to shoot them down in Mexican airspace, well, yeah, you've got an issue. If you jam the signal to them, then yes, you have an issue, especially if someone finds out you're doing that. But the fact of the matter is the game is changing. It's becoming more technologically driven. I can remember when I first came home from the desert, um, to hear about a 50 caliber weapon used by the Mexican drug lords along the border was kind of a rarity. I mean, that wasn't, that kind of caught my eye the first couple of times I heard about M2s being employed on these makeshift gun trucks that, you know, look like something out of a Mad Max movie. But nowadays they, they warped way past that. I mean, it, so this drone issue is an indicator of one, how committed they are to what they're doing and two, how comfortable they are with, they can get away with doing this. I, you know, I, I'm not going to attempt to do that. If I think the wrath of hell is going to come upon me for doing it. So did yep. we catch one drone? I don't know. Have we caught drones before? Most likely, but it leads to a discussion that needs to be held. What happens when things start happening from the other side of the border that are directly impacting our side of the border? What do you do? To, if that was a mortar, Dan, if that was an 81 or 120 millimeter mortar and you were shelling Del Rio or some uh, Ford operating post of Border Patrol along the river, yeah, yeah, you'd have to be banging a phone at NORTHCOM and getting somebody's permission to, to take action. You'd have to be, you'd be in an Israeli, you know, Gaza or Syria type of event, but a drone sitting there collecting information, that drone will only get smarter. If they're successful with doing that, that will become a better drone. It will become a more capable drone and this will progress. So if, you know, we, we just stick our heads in the sand. We just declare that, you know, Mexico's Mexico. It's always been that way. Let's not worry about it. Mueller said something in his report. That, that does nothing but embolden your enemies. And make no doubt about it, the, the cartels are terrorist organizations. If they work with terrorist organizations, then they're a terrorist organization. They work with Hezbollah. They work with other groups. They help them raise money. They get technology in return. That will continue. Then they're a terrorist organization. And if we've got terrorists flying drones on our border in order to circumvent our sovereignty on our border, what in the hell are we doing? Oh my gosh, like I wish I could frame that sentence. <laughs> because what you just, this is what bothers me. We could debate immigration. This is not immigration. If you have terrorist networks controlling a flow of these migrants, and, and, and again, we're not even getting into the fact that the migrants themselves bring in crime and poverty and diseases and the public charge. It's unbelievable. But to strategically use them to bring in all their their belligerents, and, and we now know, you know, in a given area, um, the same Border Patrol agent that, that Jason and I are friends with uh, told us in the Rio Grande Valley, in just one county, they had 1,200 apprehensions one day, and they were able to count, based on the cameras and the footprints, 376 getaways as a result of their um, 
agents being tied down, but now we're putting an exclamation mark on that dynamic. It's more than that, that they have drones that surveil our border patrol to be doing that. And we so badly believe in Mexican sovereignty, we will not shoot it down. We will not go after them. I mean, it's like I have a guy um, on my property who's a punk, but I officially own the property, and he stands over your property and does all sorts of things on it. And I'm like, you can't come on my property to deal with him. I'm like, well, you clearly don't have control of it. It's the other guy. I mean, that's the game the Mexicans are playing. And, 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 you know, at some point, I mean, look, you know, obviously our sovereignty should always come before Mexico's sovereignty, but they don't have it. They don't, I mean, that that's the joke. The cartels do. And, and, and I guess what scares me is that this is going to give our people the impression that the Mexican government has control of the cartels and we solve the problem. Yeah, well, it's the other way around. The cartels have control of the Mexican government. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, man! So, yeah, so but but Dan, yeah. but Dan, think about this. Hezbollah takes a drone, and Hezbollah goes to the border of Juarez, and on a Monday morning, the president walks in. He sits down for his morning briefing. The, the IC community sits down. They say, "Hey, sir, we have verified that Hezbollah has been flying a drone." in Mexican airspace over Juarez to watch the mobilization process of Patriot batteries at Fort Bliss in anticipation of those batteries showing up in the Middle East pending a a confrontation with Iran. That in itself, that action in itself would be TSSCI through the roof, and somebody would be saying, look, if we can't keep them from doing that, we are jeopardizing our soldiers and airmen and, and everybody else because of this. Now, that's a scenario of a drone being used. But somehow, if it's, a, you know, if it's Felipe trying to get a load of cocaine across the border, eh, it doesn't mean as much. But how the hell do we know what Felipe does with that information? And how do we know that's the only drone? If we see a drone flying in the air a quarter mile inside the airspace of Juarez, and it has a optical lens on it that can see Fort Bliss and sees the railhead and can tell when the railhead starting to generate one of the ADA brigades there, that is actionable intelligence that would have the highest security clearance briefing level. That, that, that would be a no kidding, no bullshit event. So to me, to a guy like me, I'm sitting there going, okay, so, so who is it that gets to differentiate the fact that this doesn't mean anything and something like that would mean everything? Wait a minute. You, okay, you're thinking way ahead of me here. You got, I, I got to slow you down a little bit here. I, I want to flesh this out for our audience to make sure I understand what you're saying. We know they don't give a darn about the drugs, the migrants, the every, I mean, that that's not an invasion in, in the mind of our intel community, in the mind of our national security apparatus, our government and politicians, media. Uh, they, they could do anything they want to our country. But the only warfare mindset we ever have is in the Middle East, okay? They, we, we can't have it at our border, evidently. And if it is, we just ignore it. But you're saying that forget about the danger of the cartels in, the, in and of themselves and to get their stuff in and everything. But you're bringing up something I never thought about. If they have highly sophisticated drones that are at our border 
And they know that we know they're there. And they know that because in our mindset, this is not national security. It's immigration, which is sacrilege to our political class. So anything that's inextricably linked up in immigration is untouchable. right? We will not touch it. Stuff that we won't tolerate violating the Afghani government sovereignty, we will vi- tolerate violating our sovereignty because it's an immigration issue. And there's a you know there's a constitutional right for 7.8 billion people to come here, evidently. So you're saying what w- what's to stop them from contracting with you know our enemies, Islamic or whatever? Given that we have a lot of ba- military bases near the border. And they could be surveilling nothing to do with just drug routes and uh, illegal immigrants. They could be engaging in espionage. Is that what you're saying? They they are engaging in espionage. How could they not be, Dan? How could you not have how many people unaccounted for in the city of El Paso? And yet your platform for generating probably 85% of the United States military's air defense operations, Fort Bliss, Texas, is sitting there with a railhead. You have to put it on the railhead. You have to move it out from there to move it somewhere. Once you let someone tell you, hey, they do, evidently they don't care about drones flying along the border because we've been doing it and they haven't said a thing. And now all of a sudden you see drones in the air over Juarez that are capable of looking Oh, my God. Maybe the five miles it is into Fort Bliss. You don't need to commandeer somebody's billion-dollar satellite and get a picture that's 50 days old. You can send a live feed. Hey, there, there is a unit generating at the railhead. So it looks like they're sending more ADA somewhere. Those are strategic-level threats. And you send the message that you can get away with gathering that intelligence by letting anything fly along our border that is gathering intelligence. So that's my point, is it's a slippery slope once you allow things like that to happen. And I can guarantee you we're going to allow it because I can't see anybody trying to make a big deal out of the cartels flying drones. And it's not the cartels, it's the problem. It's the fact that cartels send the message out, hey, you can do this, and nothing happens. Matter of fact, we'll fly the drones. You give us the technology. You give us the drones, a good enough camera. We'll fly it more as they'll just think it's one of us trying to move a load of dope, and nobody's going to say a word. And actually what they're doing is they're sitting there doing a live feed of Fort Bliss. And, and, and there's several institu- you know, installations, like you said, across the country where you could do this. So where do you draw the line on intelligence? gathering by these guys? They're not a drug cartel. They're a terrorist organization. And they're in bed with terrorist organizations. And we have to start treating them that way. And to see Mexico give some half-assed briefing about how they're going to get up on the border and they're going to start looking for the illegal immigrants, you know, until you (laughs) see Mexico really slap the cartels upside the head and really hurt them, and then there's a fight on inside Mexico. Oh, yeah. None of this really changes. Which all leads back to the point that we are the ones who need to do it. And that's why I find this a little bit offensive, meaning even if it's somewhat of a good deal, the fact that we are so weak, we telegraph the message, look, 
You could get in 144,000 people a month. You could send in however many drugs you want. And there's nothing. We, we can't do anything. We, we just can't. We need a new law. There's nothing we can do. I mean, you, you telegraph them. Please, Mexico, could, could you do it for us? I mean, they know that, look, oh, so, man, there's no line we could cross that will trigger any reaction other than them begging Mexico for some photo ops. So we'll we'll sit that out. I mean, that's what scares me, that nothing will allow us to think along this mindset. You know, you have show up on NORAD, um, you know, belligerent force crossing the Atlantic, naval, air force. You got to believe we're going to mobilize for war. But somehow anything that's linked up with the southern border is drugs, immigration, who cares? I mean, that's the mindset that we got to kick. And I, I want to, we're running out of time. I want to um, flow this into one other issue. Our lack of war footing, our lack of a national security mindset with the border is the deployment of our troops. And you are obviously involved in deploying troops at our border. We had you on to discuss the incident when our soldiers, two uh, active duty military, were armed, were disarmed and detained by supposedly Mexican military who are likely working for the cartels. Um, then a couple weeks ago, or two weeks ago, we hear a report that a second incident happened with a Marine in the El Centro sector of California. I don't know how far into our territory, but it was clearly in our territory. Someone approached him when he was in a blacked out mobile surveillance vehicle and tried to get his sidearm. He fired a warning shot. The guy ran away. And literally that is all we know. They didn't answer any of my requests. CBP said to go to Northcom. Northcom won't talk. National Guard won't talk. There's been no other articles on that. What's your take on that? Oh, you learn from your mistakes. <laughs> and the mistake was made in the first event is that you release too much information about what happened. You know, you, you, truth and disclosure, they, Northcom and everybody else went out there and, and let enough information get out there that some people like you went, hey, w- wait, what, what the hell is this? And it became an issue for a small amount of time. So when it happened again in a short period of time, and I go back to what Jason and I had said before, and you know, Jason jumped up and down about this, is once you let it happen, it'll happen again. So when it happened the second time, they changed the narrative. They're not going to talk to anybody about anything. They can, they have the right to place a classification level on that event. You know, as a four-star commander at Northcom, it, he'll have Orcon. He or she will have Orcon. So originating authority on the classification of the event. Once you put the, once you have the authority to place the level of security clearance on an event, you can slap something on it and then look at your public affairs people and say, you can't say crap about this. Now, did you do that because it's a strategic impact to the nation, or did you do that because the last time we did this, it turned out to be a real mess? Um, I, you know, I got curious about, did the you know, the military sits around with rules of engagement, and, and then when they're working with civilians, they got to start talking about things like use of force, because the civilians don't want to hear rules of engagement. Uh, I, I just that's just one of those national guard active duty trying to help out you know local civilian law enforcement. But if something changed about what they're allowed to do and not do because of what's going on, that's something Jason and I were talking about. Then they adapted to that at first event. I I suspect unless there's someone harmed, the third event, if it hasn't already taken place, you'll never even know about it. 
you know, once you reach the standard of, hey, oh. events like this are classified. Once that happens, you won't know about it. There'll be, there won't be a press release about that. There, there, there won't be guys like you inquiring as to, hey, there were nine shots fired between those three guys last night when four guys walked up on them. What's that all about? Unless some civilian from the outside witnesses that, you're not even going to know that it's taking place. Oh, man. And that's how you deal with that. I mean, as, as you know, an <laughs> operational commander, that's how you get around it. <laughs> oh, man. Because I'm seeing that there's two blackouts. There's with that, like any time you have belligerents going up against Border Patrol or, or the military, and then, and then the diseases. I mean, I've already caught CBP lying. Um, they said it was just uh, chicken pox and the flu. Um, but it's not true. I mean, we have it. We have from multiple, multiple, multiple sources all over the place um, with measles and mumps, mumps in particular, tuberculo- tuberculosis. Uh, border agent went on record with that. I mean, anyone and their grandmother knows a lot of TB. Ebola, they still swear up and down in my face that they've not encountered it yet. Um, as of last week when I put in a request, but I will tell you, I've you know, I'm building a lot of sources that. I, I can't prove it yet, but I really don't trust them on that. And um, it's very sad. It's really very sad. I don't know what it's going to take, but to me, Donald Trump's best move now with AMLO would be, hey, so you admit the cartels are a problem. You want to patrol. Hey, designate them as terrorists. What's AMLO supposed to do? No, they're good people. I mean, like, I, wouldn't that be a good move, particularly right now? To make that designation. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at him, uh, you, you make it public, you look at him or you call him out and he loves to do things on Twitter and say, do you agree with me or disagree with me that you, the drug cartels in Mexico have a terrorist nexus? Yes or no. And you put that question out in black and white, put it out there and then wait to see what the response is. You know, I, one, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think DC is so discombobulated right now. I, it, it's almost like it's it's all it's, we're in election mode now. It's like it's hunting season, and I don't know. I, this is an issue that needs to be addressed. I'm telling you, black and white, these cartels have a terrorist nexus. I don't. People that argue against that are just they're playing political football, and they're putting the people of the United States at risk just because they want to play political football. But particularly anyone who worked in DEA in the Middle East, they know all about this. I mean, I've had a lot of them tell me it's straight up. They're working with Hezbollah um, and uh, and groups like that. But but again, they're they're terrorists in their own right. I mean, even without the Islamic terror terrorism, um, their whole culture of you know just the way they rear these kids from very young ages to dull their senses and engage in. I mean, they literally are. They engage in more terrorism than the Islamists do, um, and they affect us more than the Islamists do directly. So, I mean, in their, even without that connection, they should be designated. Um, Wanted to get your take on I, – I don't know if you heard the shows last week. If not, I'll have you listen to them. Uh, we did a two-part series with Victor Avila, the ICE HSI agent. Yeah, um, yeah. So Jason you, and I have talked about him a lot. Yeah, and, and he was what, – what a terrific human being, and he told his story – and what scared me the most is that, you know, this happened eight years ago, but it's more relevant today than ever before because of what we're talking about. 
our continued unwillingness to view the threat the way it should be viewed, our continued mentality that anything that's Mexico and migration is sacred, that we are willing to make people expendable on our side, whether they're American citizens, American agents, at, at the altar of this stuff. That's what scared me when I started hearing these incidents on our soil with um, – military you know being approached and you're right we only know of two cases it's very likely there were more they're just blacking it out um i hear from border patrol they're terrified i mean they're terrified at that river um until now the understand this where i want to get your take on this the 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 trajectory of the cartels so there's always been this thought that shut up stop viewing this as isis and al-qaeda it's not the same they just want to do their money and drugs they're not gonna you know it's not in their interest to attack americans and what the victor avila story shows with you know Hamid zapata this was this was already eight years ago it, it was clear from the trial that the zetas did target them they did know about it they did target them it was likely leaked from our own embassy there um, they did know about it. It was not, you know, like they mistook them for a rival cartel. That's what he said came out from the trial. Fast forward eight years, we now see them upping the ante, going after active duty military at the border. Isn't it pretty clear that if you're a military guy that's lightly armed, if you're border patrol with horrible rules of engagement, there is no no safe bet that you will not be targeted at this point. Well, you know, when we look at our people and, and Jason and I had this conversation several years ago, when we look at our people and we look at how we train our law enforcement, our military members, we, we make a mistake when we attribute our professionalism and our detailed training and professional military education and the length of our, our law enforcement academies. We make a drastic mistake when we look at our opposition, in this case, the cartels, and say, well, you know, there's there's certain lines they won't cross. Look, these are knuckleheads. The guys they put up in front as pawns along the river, you know, the, 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 they'd be, and pardon my insensitivity here, but they're the guys be riding the little bus to school. And I, I guarantee you that those guys are much more prone to making stupid mistakes and they've been made in the past. And what the cartels quickly do sometimes is they go back and they whack those guys for making a stupid mistake. Now, like, like really, really pissing off Sedina or Samar by shooting. A, you know, you ambush a couple of soldiers. It's probably on like Donkey Kong and whatever area that happens for like 30 days or so. So they had the ability to do that. But so what you're telling yourself is, is you, you have to hope that all those little idiots that are up front trying to make a name for themselves, that are, you know, low-functioning, social, economic gun toters <laughs> are not going to do something stupid like have a shootout in Del Rio, you know, or, or get into pursuit and, and shoot. You have to assume none of that's ever going to happen. And what amazes me is at the federal level, we seem to constantly believe inside D.C., that they just won't do that. It doesn't have to be a deliberate act. It can be the act of a bunch of idiots. Sure. And then it's on. I mean, that's what goes on. So yeah, you get one of these guys in a pickle and he feels like he's cornered. You never know what, what could happen. Right. A absolutely. You don't count on the, the head honcho guy back at the Hacienda, you know, with his exotic animal zoo sitting there <laughs> making a dumb decision like that. 
It's the moron up front that works for him that gets the whole thing going. Yeah, I mean, that's what's scary because the Zetas in particular look like they just didn't care. And, you know, but certainly you're right at a lower level. I mean, there's nothing stopping them. Um, gosh, I mean, we'll, we'll have you back as this story develops, but there you have it, folks. Um, it's always the next time, the next time. And, and this is about wanting Trump to succeed, but nobody is going to show him the light if we don't do it. He's going to get the pressure from the other direction. So if our side just sits and goes back to Mueller, oh, you solved the border crisis because Mexico said they'll put some boats on for a few days, and we just, you know, oh, yeah, there's there's, there's some side deal that they're going to do. No, we got to keep putting up the pressure. There is no shortcut, even if the Mexicans wanted to do this. To us, actually, the president could shut off migration. The president could designate the cartels terrorists. The president could more aggressively view this as a military issue. He's commander-in-chief of the military. That's not a political dispute. That's not a legal dispute. That is just plain fact. And he's got to assert that. And he's got to message it. Um, any parting thoughts, Colonel, before uh, we let you go? Yeah, let, let's go back to the drone issue just for a second, Dan. And let me give you a scenario that we could, in reality, face sometime in the near future. It's just because of the advancement of the technology that they will get from people that they work with, i.e. the terrorist organizations. Picture a day when there are safe houses along the border, and Jason can talk to us to agnosium. Picture the day coming when there are safe houses along the border and flying in Mexican airspace is a drone. And that drone is armed. And the purpose of that drone is to attack anybody that rolls up on a safe house on our side of the border. Now, just think about that. Think about the, the, the you know, the the assassination attempt of Maduro in, in Venezuela with the drone. Think about what's going on in the Middle East with drones right now in Yemen. That technology, that capability, how to put a weapon on a standard commercial drone and then sit back and guard your stuff. And yet, if you have to do it, you don't get anybody arrested on the U.S. side. You don't have anybody dead in the shootout on the U.S. side. You got a drone that dove in on a SWAT vehicle showing up at your safe house. And then what do we do? Do we, you know, how do we respond to that? Because the way drones are going right now and the way they're doing swarm drones and the way we're, we're playing with each other with swarm drones in this world right now, that day can be here if it's not already here. What you're explaining is what Jason always says. We don't update our tactics to 21st century threats we view everyone recoils oh this is not an invasion daniel they're not going to come with 10,000 cartel troops so to speak and do a traditional invasion because they know that that would force us to respond but that's what, what scares me is like what you just said they're going to up the ante very gradually and the more they cross the line we allow it the more that's a new normal and the more we can't respond because it's weird if we suddenly respond, we're okay with it. And then they keep pushing those boundaries. And what wasn't a problem isn't a problem until it is. Yeah, the best invasions are the ones that you never realize are taking place until it's too late. Ask the Romans. Wow, isn't that a line there? Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks for joining me today, Colonel. We'll have you back again. You have to listen to his uh, own podcast. If you like what you hear, well, he's a wealth of information on this and many other national security issues, Middle East as well. We'll link to his uh, blog site on our show notes. 
Until tomorrow, thank you all. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscious. Conservative Conscious.